Tonight, I'd like to explore a quality that we've spoken about quite a lot in the last weeks, and that is the feeling tone of experience. In Pali, this is the, the, this is called the Vedna of experience. It's whether our experience has this quality of being either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, often called neutral feeling tone. The other night, Guy spoke about the second noble truth, the truth of the cause of suffering, the truth that craving is the cause of suffering. But in his discovery of this second noble truth, the Buddha discovered something that went beyond this simple statement that craving causes suffering. He actually discovered an entire chain of causal conditions that lead us through our typical reactivity in our lives. And Sally spoke about this some last night. The chain of dependent origination, or sometimes called dependent co-arising. So I won't cover this in complete detail tonight, but I, I really want to go through the links of this chain that are relevant to tonight's talk on the feeling tone of experience. So basically, because we have a mind and a body, we have these six sense doors, the five usual physical senses and the sense base of the mind. Through these sense doors, we experience contact with objects. We experience sight, sound, smells, taste, touch with our physical senses, and we experience emotions, moods, mind states, thoughts with the sense door of our mind. Each of these sense impressions, so these these are the links I'm going through, the the, 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 the mind and body, the physical sense bases, mind and body conditions physical sense bases, physical sense bases conditions contact with experience. In that contact with experience, each of our sense impressions has a flavor to it. This is the feeling tone of experience. Each of our sense impressions is either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So this is the feeling tone. It's very, very simple, very basic in our experience. And based on that feeling tone, when something is pleasant, we typically like it and we want it. We want to get more of it. When something is unpleasant, we don't like it, we want to get rid of it. If something's neutral, we probably don't even notice it. So eating ice cream is pleasant, We tend to like to eat it. We eat more and more of it. And then at some point we get full. And if we start to overeat ice cream, our experience becomes unpleasant and we tend to stop to avoid the unpleasant. It's kind of like we're this simple automatic machine almost, this 
very simple automaton that tries to increase pleasant experience and decrease unpleasant experience. So based on the feeling tone, this wanting arises, either wanting to have or wanting to get rid of. And we usually, or often, will automatically kind of react to that wanting, to reach out and either grab onto what we want to to have or to push away, to actually move out of our experience the thing that we don't want to have. And this is called clinging, whether it's the movement to, to hold it to us or to push it away from us, it's called clinging. Once an object is clung to, typically some kind of an identity forms around it. It becomes, it becomes mine or it becomes me. This might take an obvious form such as, this is my sitting spot. Or it might take a more subtle form such as, I'm the kind of person who likes to hike in the woods. So it can take a range of, of uh, manifestations, this quality of becoming. In terms of this chain of causal conditions, we like becoming. There's something about that crystallization around something that, that, feels, that feels good. It feels right. There's something we like about a sense of knowing who we are or uh, what kinds of things define us. We like this brief moment of satisfaction, this becoming. Sometimes it takes the form that that we feel like we're in control or that we know something. So from this point, from this point of becoming, according to the Buddha, even though we've just experienced this moment of satisfaction with this becoming, from this point, suffering is inevitable. That this might result from the kind of obvious uh, form of separation from something we consider mine. Like if you have a, a beautiful vase that you're very fond of, and it breaks. There can be a feeling of sadness or loss or perhaps anger if somebody has dropped it, somebody else has dropped the vase. So there can be that kind of um, suffering that results when something that we think of as ours goes away. We might experience a, a feeling of loss if, a, if a, a, a relationship ends or, or at the death of a loved one. But the suffering can also result from the fact that that moment of satisfaction that we get when we have something, when we, we crystallize around it, that it doesn't last very long. That moment doesn't last very long. It fades. And then there's this sense of wanting more, that wanting to want that Joseph talks about. We actually think that happiness 
in our lives consists of stringing together these moments, these little moments of happiness, the little moments of satisfaction. But that's what, that's what we think happiness consists of. And this is a form of delusion. It's a form of ignorance. So in our untrained minds, in an untrained mind, suffering, this kind of suffering that results when this moment of satisfaction ends or a separation of, from something that we, we love, usually leads us towards ignorance, which conditions our habitual patterns of greed, aversion, and delusion. And these patterns then condition how our mind perceives other experiences. And the cycle goes around and around. Basically, mind and body conditions our sense bases, Conditions contact, conditions feeling, conditions craving, conditions clinging, conditions becoming, conditions suffering, conditions ignorance, conditions these habitual patterns of mind. And so this goes round and round in our experience. Sally talked last night a little bit about this chain of dependent origination, and she mentioned that it is not deterministic. It's possible to move out of this cycle, this habitual cycle of samsara, this wheel that keeps samsara going. It's possible to to exit this chain. And she talked about one way of breaking the chain, between suffering and ignorance. That with wise attention to suffering, the understanding of suffering, we can move away from ignorance towards faith and on towards the chain that she spoke about last night, the transcendent dependent origination. But there's another link in this chain that's, that the Buddha recognized as a weak link. And that's the link between feeling and craving. So this is the movement of the mind from pleasant to wanting, from unpleasant to wanting to get rid of, from neutral sensation to not noticing, or maybe we could say not wanting to notice. If we bring mindfulness and wise attention to the feeling tone of experience, just to whether it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, we can actually sort, short-circuit this movement of the mind towards wanting. It's possible to experience something as pleasant without wanting it. It's possible to experience something as unpleasant without wanting to get rid of it. if we can just notice this pleasant or unpleasant, without the movement towards the wanting, the suffering will not arise. It's the movement away from suffering. But the only way this can happen, the only way we can see 
this this cycle break is to bring when we if we can actually see the feeling tone of experience to bring mindfulness to the feeling tone to whether in our experience there's pleasant unpleasant or neutral the buddha described mindfulness of feeling most prominently a tech, the, the, the way to practice with mindfulness of feeling, most prominently in the Satipatthana Sutta, the four foundations of mindfulness. The feeling tone of experience, this Vedana of experience, is the second foundation of mindfulness. It's given an entire foundation all to itself. I think that kind of highlights the importance that the Buddha put on this quality of mind. This, this very fine, very simple quality of mind is an entire foundation of mindfulness. I'll read you the instructions or a part of the instructions that the Buddha gave. And he's speaking to his monks here, so he's, he's speaking to bhikkhus, but uh, in other places in the commentaries it says that the term bhikkhu refers to anybody who is practicing the Dhamma. So this, this is speaking to all of us. And how bhikkhus? Does a bhikkhu abide contemplating feelings as feelings? When feeling a pleasant feeling, a bhikkhu understands, I feel a pleasant feeling. When feeling a painful feeling, he understands, I feel a painful feeling. When feeling a neither painful nor pleasant feeling, he understands, I feel a neither painful nor pleasant feeling. It's that simple. (laughs) It's not easy. First, the, the, the part that's not easy about it is first that we really need to recognize that we're feeling pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral experience. Usually when we experience something pleasant or unpleasant, we're quickly either moving towards it or away from it. We've hardly noticed there's an experience of pleasant or unpleasant before we're moving to get it or moving to get rid of it. We, we will quickly spin into thoughts of planning how to get it, how to have more of it, how to get rid of it, how to never have it again in our lives. So stopping this momentum from the pleasant to the movement towards wanting and all of the thoughts around it is, is very difficult to actually see the pleasant itself. But it's actually helped by simply knowing that this is a really good quality to pay attention to. I think until I heard these teachings, nobody ever told me, it's a really good idea to notice in your experience when something's pleasant and unpleasant. Nobody said that to me. But it's a, it's a, it's a crucial place to highlight in our experience. So this feeling tone can be quite subtle, it's, it, like I said, it's not something that we've been trained to notice. Typically, we've been trained to react to it, 
that's how we've how we've lived our lives is by reacting to pleasant trying to get it pushing away the unpleasant but when we start to actually pay attention and it's when it's been highlighted for us this is a quality that's useful to pay attention to it can become quite obvious so for instance if you if you fall down and bump your knee it's unpleasant and if you are attuned to checking out pleasant and unpleasant, it will probably be pretty obvious that that's an unpleasant experience. When we eat a food that we like, there's often quite a bit of pleasant experience. Again, that's quite easy to see once we've gotten attuned to actually noticing the pleasantness or the pleasant aspect. What's hard to do is to stop there at that moment of pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. We're trained typically to respond to it. But if we start seeing this, if we start seeing the feeling tone and seeing the response to it, we're beginning to see deeply into how the mind functions. Every experience that we have, as I mentioned in the uh, talking through the chain of dependent origination, every experience, whether it's physical or mental, has this quality of feeling tone. This is usually obvious or most easy to see in our physical experience. It's pretty easy to, to know when we're experience, experiencing unpleasant bodily sensations unpleasant sights, sounds, smells, tastes, physical contact. But mental experience also has a feeling tone. So for instance, anger typically has an unpleasant quality to it. Joy has a pleasant quality to it. Thoughts themselves actually also have a subtle feeling tone. But more often, actually, when we um, think we understand the feeling tone of a thought, it's because there's been a subtle reaction in the mind to that thought. So for instance, now, just imagine that you're lying on a beach, a warm, sunny beach. Is there some kind of pleasant experience? it's most likely the reaction, the the emotions, the moods that were called up with that thought that created the pleasantness. Imagine somebody running their fingernails on a blackboard. If you're like me, that's an unpleasant thought. But when I feel through it, when I think about it in my experience... What's happening is that there's a visceral feeling through the body that's unpleasant, that's a reaction to that thought. Actually, this type of reaction underlies the belief that certain physical sensations are unpleasant also. So for example, often if I wake up in the middle of the night and I have trouble going back to sleep, I will get up to meditate. So one night... At one point, I, I um, woke up in the middle of the night and 
went to meditate. And partway through the meditation, I heard this tapping noise. And my experience of the tapping was that it was an unpleasant experience. But I just was paying attention and noticing and being mindful. And I began to notice that when I heard the tapping noise, there was a contraction in the body. And the contraction was definitely unpleasant. And when I further paid attention to that contraction, as I heard the tapping, I felt a very subtle fear arise. And the fear was clearly unpleasant. And as I was paying attention to the fear, when I heard the tapping sound again, I realized that the tapping sound itself was neutral, actually even slightly pleasant. It was the reaction to the sound, the subtle fear that made me think that the sound itself was unpleasant. So this can be a very interesting exploration of our experience. The fact that all experience, mental and physical, have a feeling tone also explains a little bit about why it's so hard to break out of this cycle, why it's so hard to break out of this chain of dependent origination that we cycle around. In the cycle, feeling leads to craving, which leads to clinging, which leads to becoming, which leads to suffering or dissatisfaction. But if we attend or pay attention to the feeling tone of the links themselves, we notice that wanting is an unpleasant experience. Wanting feels like this deep sense of being unsatisfied. And our typical movement is to want to satisfy that desire. To get rid of this unpleasant feeling, we want to satisfy the desire. And that is the way we've been trained. We satisfy the desire, the unpleasantness of the wanting goes away. And in that satisfaction of the desire, we also have that brief moment of becoming, that crystallization, that pleasant experience. So we learn through our repeated uh, experience that when we get what we want, we get this double hit of getting rid of something unpleasant and getting that feeling of becoming, which is pleasant. So the cycle tends to reinforce itself. There's one sutta that that I like that kind of points to this fact that the feeling tone is a weak link in the uh, cycle of dependent origination. And I'll read this, uh, this sutta to you. It's relatively short. This is a kind of a... It's a kind of a, a chain of events, although it's not a causal chain, but it describes uh, a sort of a, a way our experience can move as we pay attention to our experience. All things are rooted in desire. They come to actual existence through attention, 
originate from contact and converge on feelings. The foremost of all things is concentration. All things are mastered by mindfulness. Their peak is wisdom, their essence, liberation. All things merge in the deathless, and Nibbana is their culmination. There's a couple of things that I, I like about this sutta. One, that it's highlighting all things converge on feeling. I think the wording of that highlights the importance of understanding this feeling tone. We experience, in our experience, we experience a wide variety of sense impressions. Colors, sights, sounds, smells, tastes, and an endless stream of thoughts and moods and motions in our mind. And we think we respond to the sense impression itself. We think, I like blue, or I don't like the way hot roofing tar smells, or I don't like it when my partner says that to me. But all sense impressions converge on feeling. For some of us, blue is pleasant. Hot roofing tar is unpleasant. The example of, a, of a not liking what our partner says to us is a little more complex, but it might unfold something like this. So with, when our partner speaks to us, there's the sound of the voice. And depending on the tone of the voice, that might be pleasant or unpleasant. But if what the partner is saying brings up an idea in your mind or a, a belief, there may be a reaction to that idea or a belief, which might be unpleasant, which in that case is why we don't like. That unpleasantness of that belief or that idea is why we don't like what our partner says to us. So from the wide variety of sense impressions, our reactions to those sense impressions actually just comes down to this very simple quality of whether the sense impression is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. It's like this springboard or this narrow gateway through which we react to all of our experience. All things converge on feeling. The other thing I like about this Sutta is that it talks about all things. All things converge on feelings. The foremost of all things is concentration. They're mastered by mindfulness. All things converge on feeling, and through concentration and mindfulness on the feelings, on whether they on, on whether they're pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, whether they are, how they are coming and going. Feelings are impermanent. With mindfulness, we can break this movement towards wanting. The concentration and mindfulness on the feeling leads to wisdom. All things have liberation as their essence, merge in the deathless, and culminate in Nibbana. All things. It doesn't matter 
what we're paying attention to. It might be the pleasantness of our, our hands on a, cup, a mug of hot tea. It might be the unpleasantness of the cold as we walk outside. It doesn't matter. All things culminate in Nibbana. There's another sutta that is a little bit more of a causal link that goes from this attention to feeling that I'll read this to you as well. This is highlighting attending to the impermanent nature of feelings as being the key to our liberation. Pleasant feeling is impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. Painful feeling, too, is impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. Neither painful nor pleasant feeling, too, is impermanent, conditioned, dependently arisen, subject to destruction, vanishing, fading away, and ceasing. Seeing thus, a well-taught noble disciple becomes disenchanted with pleasant feeling, disenchanted with painful feeling, disenchanted with neither painful nor pleasant feeling. Being disenchanted, he becomes dispassionate. Through dispassionate, through dispassion, his mind is liberated. When it is liberated, there comes the knowledge it is liberated. He understands birth is destroyed, the holy life has been lived, what has done, what had to be done has been done. There is no more coming to any state of being. This is the typical statement of liberation of mind. The attention to feeling, leading through some of these same links that Sally talked about last night, dis- disenchantment, dispassion. So the key really with mindfulness of feeling is to become familiar with what this feeling tone is. So I'd like to talk for a while about how to engage with an exploration with feeling tone. Probably the easiest place to attune to this quality is in our physical experience. Our physical, our touch sensations, particularly the contact of our skin, they seem to be highly attuned to the painful, pleasant, neutral aspects of experience. So simply exploring in your physical experience whether it is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. You can do this any time of the day. It's actually a really great exploration through uh, the the non-formal part of our meditation, doing the yogi jobs, brushing our teeth, getting ready for bed, what parts of the experience are pleasant, what parts are unpleasant. You'll notice a flow of changing experience, washing the dishes, the warmth of the water, the weight of the dishes. Are they pleasant or unpleasant? One commentary to the suttas, the Visuddhimagga, states that while this touch sensation, the physical experience of touch, can be pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral, that the other four physical sense doors 
actually the contact at those physical sense doors is all neutral. And that any sense that we have of the experience at the other four sense doors, at sight, sound, smell, and taste, if we, any sense we have that those are pleasant or unpleasant has to do with a kind of a reactivity in the mind, a very subtle movement of reactivity. I'm not sure if I completely believe this, especially where, like, taste is concerned. You know, I kind of think that there may be some tastes that are revolting because they're not good, good for us to swallow. But I do find it to be a really interesting exploration to look and see when I am seeing something and see that it's pleasant. Is there some kind of reactivity in my mind or a thought or a construct or causes and conditions that have come together to create that pleasantness? So I had an exploration of this on one retreat. It was a tea time here at IMS, and it was a very simple tea. I had bean dip and an apple. And I took a bite of the bean dip, and it was, uh, you know, kind of tart and creamy. And then I took a bite of this apple. And the apple was the most pleasant apple I'd ever eaten. (laughs) It was really, really delightful. And it was like these bubbles of delight came up through my body while I ate this apple. And I, I thought, wow, that's cool. And I, you know, took another bite of the apple. And it was pretty good, too, but not quite so delightful as the last one. And then I began exploring, well, maybe it was the bean dip. You know, maybe it was the bean dip before the apple. So I, you know, took take a bite of the bean dip and then the bite of the apple. And, yeah, that was, that was pretty pleasant. But over the meal, I began to realize that that the... The apple kind of lost a little bit of its allure, and the you know the even alternating it with the bean dip, it wasn't as as delightful as it has in, had initially been. And I could see that the causes and condition I could see the causes and conditions coming together to create the quality of delightfulness, the quality, the the the, the level of pleasantness, essentially. It's not just a valence, a you know, on-off kind of thing. It's either pleasant or not pleasant. There's, there's gradations of these pleasant and unpleasant experiences. So feeling often comes about as a result of, the, of these causes and conditions. An excellent place to play with mindfulness of feeling, in fact, is with eating because it engages all of our senses. We see our food It may be beautiful on our plate, the different colors. We smell it before we eat it. We uh, taste it, the the taste, the texture on the tongue, the the sound as we're chewing and swallowing, and all of the thoughts that we have around the food. So it's a great place to play with this mindfulness of feeling, especially if what you're eating you enjoy. It can be particularly enjoyable. Another good place to pay attention to the feeling tone is when there's strong emotions present. Just see if you can recognize 
whether the emotion is pleasant or unpleasant. What feeling tone does anger have? What feeling tone does lust have? Happiness, sadness. It can actually be kind of surprising when we, we pay attention. I had one experience on a retreat where I was paying attention to anger quite a lot. Something had come up that had made me angry and this thing kept coming back up in my mind over and over again. So I kept experiencing the arising of anger. And generally, the experience of anger was unpleasant. But one point I saw the very beginning, just the, the very beginning of that feeling in the body. And it was a feeling of warmth and fullness. And it was pleasant. It really quickly went to heat and pressure. But that initial hit was pleasant. And I was kind of shocked. But I recognized, I thought, wow, I wonder if this is part of the hook of anger, this initial pleasant feeling. So explore in your experience. There can be some surprises, not necessarily what you'd expect with pleasant and unpleasant. On my first three-month retreat, Carol was here as a teacher, and she gave the instruction. If you're feeling aversion in your experience, if you're experiencing aversion, there's something unpleasant in your experience, probably unnoticed. So on that particular retreat, doing walking meditation, I was experiencing a lot of aversion to the other people who were walking nearby. I don't know if you've had this experience. But it was very common for me in doing walking meditation to have strong aversion to the people walking nearby me. And so that evening, or not too long after hearing that Dharma talk, I was doing walking here in this upper walking room, and somebody came up and started doing walking meditation right next to me. And immediately this feeling of aversion arose. And I remembered Carol saying, okay, aversion, there's something unpleasant in your experience. So I started exploring, okay, what in my experience is unpleasant? I checked my sight. The person did not particularly look unpleasant. Nothing unusual about how they looked. They didn't smell bad. And uh, they weren't bumping up against me, so there wasn't any physical unpleasant sensations. And I thought, well, there must be something in the mind then. Something's going on in the mind. And so I didn't particularly notice any any thoughts that were unpleasant. The mind felt pretty quiet. But I just kind of attuned my uh, mind towards noticing what might be happening in the mind and doing the walking back and forth. And this thought erupted. He's weird. And I thought, well, that's a thought. But I didn't really get the connection between unpleasantness and that thought. It didn't quite sink in. So I kept doing the walking. And at some point, another thought erupted that was, he's got bare feet on, and it's freezing cold outside. This was my justification for the fact that he was weird. And I could see that this whole complex, there had been a whole complex created in my mind that I thought was unpleasant, that I was reacting to. When I saw that, 
The next walking path, the whole thing fell apart, and I was spontaneously doing metta for the person. It was quite remarkable to explore this, exploring this feeling tone in your experience. It's also really interesting to explore how we uh, react to neutral. The neither pleasant nor unpleasant experience. This can be a little more difficult because neutral feeling can be pretty subtle and often we just skip right over it. We just don't even notice it. But as the mind settles down a little bit, we start experiencing a little more of that neutral quality. And in that space of the neutral, it's a really interesting place to see how identification gets created. On one retreat, I was experiencing quite a bit of time in this neutral place, and so I got to explore it a lot. I began... You know, most of the time, or quite a bit of the time, I could be there right in the neutral, but I would begin to see it kind of slipping off into boredom or indifference. And the feeling tone of those was slightly unpleasant. So it was a a kind of a nice uh, exploration in that neutral to see when did it just tip, just slightly tip. Because in that neutral place, often not much is engaging us, and we'll either get bored or kind of space out and get to that kind of indifferent place. Also on this same retreat, I was experiencing uh, the neutral feeling tone and noticing sometimes a subtle leaning into that neutral experience, awaiting for something to happen. Because I had the idea that this neutral place was kind of, uh, it was a good place in practice and that something was supposed to happen from it. And so there was this kind of leaning into this neutral and, and waiting, this waiting, this expecting something to happen. And when nothing happened, the mind got judgmental. You're a failure. This is been one of my strongest habits. I talked about it on my last talk, this, this self-judgment and movement from this you're a failure to self-hatred, to this feeling of self-hatred and unworthiness. And here it was being created out of nothing, out of neutral experience and an idea that something was supposed to be happening. So this place of neutral can be a really interesting place to explore how our identity just gets constructed out of this very balanced place. Another really interesting place to explore this quality of the feeling tone is around the wandering mind when the mind goes off, and when it comes back. Often I find that there's, there's a number of ways that the, the feeling tone, that not noticing the feeling tone, that we can leap off of an unnoticed pleasant feeling tone, for instance, 
into, oh, this is so nice. I'm going to come back next year on this to this retreat, and you know, I'm going to have a nicer shawl next time, and and we're just going to we just construct a, a a whole fantasy because we didn't notice that subtle feeling of pleasant. So the wandering mind and uh, can go off of this. Uh, the, the feeling tone, or a neutral feeling tone. It can just kind of space out when it gets neutral. Just just drift off because there's not much holding our attention. Just drift off. Or an unpleasant experience. Sometimes with unpleasant experience, we launch into fantasy to uh, to experience something pleasant. Sometimes we we'll, we'll construct a pleasant thing in our minds in order to avert, to get rid of the, uh, the unpleasant experience in our bodies. So noticing how the mind goes from this feeling tone to wandering off. It can be a really good place to explore the feeling tone. And likewise, coming back, waking up from uh, being lost in thought. Is the feeling tone pleasant? Is it unpleasant? I often find that the drifting of the mind, if it's just a drifting, if it's not a, an actual fantasy or it's not a, um, a judgment of some kind, just the drifting, I don't know if you're familiar with that, where it just isn't, it's not thinking about much in particular, it's just drifting, that can be a kind of a pleasant experience that, that perpetuates itself because the pleasantness is not noticed. So when you come back from the wandering mind, check into the feeling tone. I found actually when I started to do that, it helped uh, the, the mind keep from wandering because I realized that I was actually missing the experience, particularly in that drifting, that pleasantness of drifting. I wasn't noticing the pleasant. It wasn't apparent. It was just kind of in a fog of the drift. As you become more familiar with feeling tone, you'll start seeing it more naturally rather than having to actually look for it, as I've been suggesting in, in this discussion. But it's helpful initially to actually kind of attune yourself to this feeling tone because it can be difficult to see. It's so subtle, and we so quickly move off of it into reactivity. But as we start to get attuned to it and familiar with it, it will become just more obvious. And then we can practice as the Satipatthana Sutta says. When something is pleasant, we know that it's pleasant. When something's unpleasant, we know that it's unpleasant. When it's neutral, we know that it's neutral. When you can notice this feeling tone, you have the opportunity to to actually witness the birth of the reactivity, to see your mind moving from the pleasantness to the wanting, from the unpleasantness to the wanting to get rid of. And that begins to really show us how suffering is constructed. 
we start to understand the nature of suffering as that movement of reactivity from pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And in, in that understanding of suffering are the seeds of freedom. The last thing I'll say about feeling is that it kind of can have this yin-yang quality to it. That is, in the pleasant are the seeds of the unpleasant, and in the unpleasant are the seeds of the pleasant. When pleasant experience ends, it's unpleasant. When unpleasant experience ends, it's pleasant. The way neutral fits into this is kind of interesting. And I want to read to you uh, the sutta that describes this. I like this sutta because it's... um, It's a woman speaking in this sutta. The woman is a nun, and the man that's talking to her is her ex-husband. And he's asking her, he's asked her a number of very detailed questions. And he comes to questions about feeling. Lady, what is pleasant feeling? What is I'm sorry, I'll I'll start a little bit later. What is pleasant and what is painful in regard to pleasant feeling? What is painful and what is pleasant in regard to painful feeling? What is pleasant and what is painful in regard to neither painful nor pleasant feeling? Friend, pleasant feeling is pleasant when it persists and painful when it changes. Painful feeling is painful when it persists and pleasant when it changes. Neither painful nor pleasant feeling is pleasant when there is knowledge of it and painful when there is no knowledge of it. Sit for a few minutes. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.